Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad, ala alihi wa sahbihi wa So we continue with regards to the prohibition of lying. An Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, wa anhuma, qala nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, afra al-firya an yara, wa an yuriya al-rajulu aynayhi, ma lam taraya. رواه البخاري ومعناه يقول رأيت فيما لم يره. سيدنا عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله تعالى عنهما. He said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said the the most lyingest of lies. This is a little bit of like Hamza like uh, uh, sarf here in English. Uh, the the worst of lies, meaning literally the most lyingest of lies, the most untrue of lies, I should say, is for a a a, a man to make his eyes see that which they didn't see. Meaning, to say, I saw such and such, when you really didn't see it. So be very careful about bearing false, false testimony. It's okay. It's okay to like admit if you didn't see something with your own eyes. We have all of these kind of over-the-top expressions. I swear to God, I saw this with my own eyes, literally this, that, and the other. Even if you say it accidentally, say, yeah, no, actually, I didn't actually see it. It's okay, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with admitting you're wrong, but better than that is just not being wrong in the first place. So shoot for the stars, land on the moon, you know what I mean? Uh, 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 if a person, because of their lies, they'll be written in the book of Allah Ta'ala as a liar until the day they see him, then the worst of lies is the one that you should most stay away from, which is false witness, saying that you witnessed something that you really didn't witness. You may have witnessed something that leads you to believe it's true or something close to having seen it but if you didn't actually see it with your own eyes uh, uh, it's, 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 the, it's a مغلظ, it's a very like uh, harsh and, and, and like excessive type of lie <laughs> أو لم يقبل منه يقبل منه عفواً فارق ذلك المجلس إن أمكنه. So this is a, a, a small subheading with regards to غيبة, but the first one that we had was with regards to saying it yourself. Now we're saying with regards to listening to it. And there's a slight difference because when you're speaking, you, you as long as you're possessed proper, you know, properly possessed of your mental faculties. You should have more control over what you say than what other people say. Uh, so this is a chapter regarding the impermissibility, impermissibility of listening to riba and the commandment uh, for one who hears riba backbiting, which is haram backbiting, to literally repudiate it. Say that's riba. Don't don't say that. Uh, uh, and to uh, uh, castigate the one who uh, says that riba. Uh, obviously, whatever you know, there's a whatever continuum of like use of force, and in the Sharia, using harsh words with people is considered a type of violence. A man who beats his wife and a man who cusses his wife out, it's the same complaint to the judge. The difference between the two of them may be qualitative or sorry quantitative, but it's not considered qualitative in the Sharia. Both are considered a type of abuse. So, if you be like, yo, that's Diba, we probably shouldn't do that, then don't be like, 
yo, you're a fasik and you're going to go to hell, so you better just shut the heck up right now and blah, blah, blah. Don't be all hardcore unnecessarily. Sometimes you have to be hardcore in order to have people listen to you. And in cases like that, it may be appropriate. But majority of the cases, whatever can be corrected and adjusted with a soft word, uh, uh, you must use a soft word rather than a harsh word. Uh, uh, so that's uh, a little note lest a person become very pumped up after having taken this class and then you know, people wonder who's this guy he's learning from <laughs> uh, if a person isn't able to do that isn't able to uh, repudiate and, and castigate the uh, repudiate the, the riba and castigate the one making it um, then to uh, uh, then to uh, at least uh, not accept that thing that they're hearing and to get up and leave and if they're not able to leave sometimes you're not able to leave if you leave like a meeting you may lose your job or you may you know in certain cases get thrown in jail or you know you may offend people and that offense will cause other types of haram things like your relatives will cut you off or like whatever God knows what might happen right so if you're in a situation where you're stuck there uh, uh, um, there's still a sunnah of what to do Allah Ta'ala says uh, describing the believers that when they hear vain talk they turn away from it and uh, uh, vain talk is anything that doesn't have benefit so something that has harm in it is even uh, even more worthy of turning away from and in the description of the believers in Surah Al-Mu'minun Allah Most High said uh, and they are the ones who uh, uh, turn away from vanity and Allah Ta'ala Most High said, In Again, an ayah that was repeated a number of times, uh, that indeed the hearing and the sight and the heart, all of these things uh, will be asked about. There's a responsibility with regards to all of these things. These, are, these things are all amanat. In, 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 in the tafsir of Inna Allaha, ya, uh, um, yeah, you're a hafiz, right? يَأْمُرُكُمْ أَنْ تُؤَدُّ الْأَمَانَاتِ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهَا Right? Yeah. yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands you to uh, return, return trusts to the ones that entrusted you with them. And if you judge, that you should judge with justice. Uh, one of the tafasir of returning amanat, trusts to the ones that entrusted you with them, is your senses which is an amana from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is one of the tafasir that's narrated by the, by the, the, the tabi'een with regards to this uh, saying of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَقَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى وَإِذَا رَأَيْتَ الَّذِينَ يَخُوضُونَ فِي آيَاتِنَا فَأَعْرِضْ عَنْهُمْ حَتَّى يَخُوضُوا فِي حَدِيثٍ غَيْرِهِ وَإِمَّا يُنْسِيَنَّكَ الشَّيْطَانُ فَلَا تَقْعُدْ بَعْدَ الذِّكْرَى مَعَ الْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ Allah Ta'ala says that if you see uh, uh, those people who are playing around, who are, who are taking light, uh, our ayat, then turn away from them until they uh, 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 choose something else to talk about in their, in their, in their, in their uh, light speech. Um, and if shaitan makes you forget, then after having received the reminder... Uh, 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 don't sit again with uh, uh, the, the people of Dhulm, with transgressors. So the idea is this, is that if you can't get up and leave, then uh, 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 first of all, you should try to get up and leave. If you can't, then, then stop paying attention to what they're saying. Distract yourself from their speech until they finish it. 
عن أبي الدرداء رضي الله تعالى عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من رد عن عرض أخيه رد الله عن وجهه النار يوم القيامة رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن سيدنا أبو الدرداء رضي الله تعالى عنه who was one of the فقهاء of the Sahaba رضي الله عنهم there was just a handful of Sahaba رضي الله عنهم who used to uh, who, who were given uh, authority by the body of the Sahaba to give fatwa not all of them used to do that the Khulafa Rashidun, Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anhu, anha, uh, Abdullah bin Umar, Abdullah bin Amr bin As, Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anhuma, uh, Abdullah bin Zubair, uh, Abu Darda is one of, Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, Abu Darda is one of them. He was the, he was an official Qur'an teacher. If a person became Muslim, they wouldn't learn the Qur'an directly from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa except for the very early uh, people who converted to Islam. Uh, afterward, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi had official Quran teachers from both the Muhajirin and from the Ansar. And uh, there's khair, there's a lot to talk about that topic, but we don't have time. Um, but Abu Darda is one of them, and you'll see in the early Mashaykh, all of the ulum were transmitted by the same person. The same person narrates hadith. The same person narrates and transmits the Quran. The same person is the faqih. The same person is the 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 murabbi in spiritual matters. The same person is. All of these ulum, they, they talk together. So Abu Darda was the official alim, the representative of the ilm of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum to the people of Sham, to the people of Syria, uh, which is a very important position because Syria is one of the important metropoli of, of, uh, of early Islam. As it is today still, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give help to its people. Abu Darda radiallahu anhu narrates from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that whoever, uh, whoever defends the honor of his brother, people are sitting there like, oh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Mubarat, he's this and he's that, and the last Latif thing, it didn't happen like this, and what kind of speakers does he bring, and blah, 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 and the other thing, the other thing. So if you're like, no, he's a good guy, he had no idea the speaker was going to be that crazy. And he, uh, you know, he put in a lot of work and effort, and he's sincere, and he's blah, blah. Whoever defends the honor of his brother when he's being, uh, when he's being, uh, 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 picked at and that doesn't necessarily only mean backbiting even if he's there and someone's like chewing him out but you just stand up and say like that's enough you don't have to say all these bad things about that person he's a good person uh, and think of obviously you don't have if someone okay, someone's actually in the middle of robbing a liquor store and you're like no he's a good brother you know no stop him from robbing the liquor store it doesn't mean that you check your brain in uh, uh, in the bank and then like you start shooting your mouth off without using your brain Right? Stop him from robbing a liquor store. Then afterwards say, okay, he has difficulty in his home. This thing he did was not right, but he's going to make toba from it, and he's a good guy, and you know he didn't do it just within everything, within reason also. Everything is better when you use your brain. Everything's better when you use your brain. There may be some exception to the rule because some brains need some help, but in general, everything's better when you use your brain, and it's, it's like a habit, like riding a bike. You may fall once or twice in the beginning <laughs> once you get the habit of using your, your brain, mashallah. Uh, 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 it's generally smooth sailing At least it's better than, than not using it So the person who stands up and defends the reputation of his brother Defends the honor of his brother Allah Ta'ala will defend their, their face from the fire So that's good reason to stand up for, for one another And not just let people chew, chew one another out And again, like I said, there's, this is within reason If you know somebody has an like, alcohol problem and someone's like, I'm going to lend my car to him. Then, yeah, you might want to tell that person, don't lend your car to that person because they have a drinking problem and like whatever. However, that's different than 
saying like you know talking garbage about a person and casting aspersion on them and it doesn't negate these specific things don't negate general the general keeping of the honor of one another and just because someone does if that person is an alcoholic but no one's gonna like loan their car to him it doesn't mean that you should say bad about him even if there's nobody who's completely perfect after the even if someone did something wrong and even if that wrong needs to be redressed people do a lot of things sometimes sometimes people do horrible things sometimes people are victims of things that other people did there's no there's nothing wrong if you're a victim of of somebody else's abuse to stand up and take your right after it's all said and done redressing specific wrongs doesn't negate the 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 commandment to what keep the honor of one another even if the person is the worst person in the world the least that you can do for them is what is that if they make toba you can make dua that Allah Ta'ala make them set fast on their toba and, and, and say well, that person made toba inshallah they'll turn a, a new leaf even if you don't want to loan your car to them even if you don't want to loan them any money because you know they're not going to pay you back even if you don't think it's a good idea to let them give the Jummah khutbah and lead the prayer even if you're not willing to extend anything to them materially in your heart for you to not extend to them at least your goodwill in whatever capacity you can possibly give it even if it's very little if you can't do that then uh, uh, you have a problem uh, because Rasulullah used to do that with the worst of the mushrikeen we should at least be able to do it with our own brothers and sisters much less with other people uh, uh, and a person should be very careful even people who have wronged you that you not harbor so much negativity inside of your heart lest it become a habit and it become the regular disposition of your heart to be negative to, to other people because there's no person whose uh, anger and enmity is worth doing that to yourself because of when Itban ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu fi hadithihi at-tawil al-mashhur al-lazhi taqaddama fi bab al-raja'i this is Nawawi from his uh, Riyal Sahihin qala qama al-nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yusalli faqala ayna Malik ibn al-dukhsham dukhshum afwan faqala rajlun thalika munafiqun la yuhibbu allaha wa la rasoolahu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam فَقَالَ نَبِيُّ صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تقول ذلك لا تراه قد قال لا إله إلا الله يريد بذلك وجه الله وإن الله قد حرم على النار من قال لا إله إلا الله يبتغي بذلك وجه الله متفق عليه وعتبان بكسر العين على المشهور وحكي بضمها So there's a longer hadith about the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that he went and visited some people who lived a little bit further out of the city uh, for a specific purpose and when the time of the prayer came uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa stood to lead the prayer and then he asked where is Malik bin Dukhshum and so a man said he's a munafiq he's a hypocrite he neither loves Allah nor his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa obviously that's a person from his qawm who knows him and he must know something about him that what? that makes him believe that that person's Islam is not the most solid in the world Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa came to visit their neighborhood and he didn't even show up to see him. Uh, uh, um, so from his point of view, he's just telling, you know, he's just calling it as he sees it. But what did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa how did he respond? I'm the Rasul, how dare he not come? No. What did he say? He said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, don't say, don't say that. Don't say that about him. Don't say he's a munafiq. Uh, don't you see that he said la ilaha illallah and... Uh, the only reason he said it is because of he, he wished to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And didn't you know that Allah ta'ala made the fire haram on the person who says la ilaha illallah and seeks for, uh, through saying that, the pleasure of Allah ta'ala. Now, 
saying la ilaha illallah is the bare minimum qualification of being a Muslim. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi didn't didn't mention any other fadila or virtue of this person. That he prays, that he fasts, that he this, that he that. All he said, don't you see he says la ilaha illallah? Because of that, by the barakah of that la ilaha illallah, don't say bad about him please. And so if Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, there's no more disparity between the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and somebody whose qawm thinks that they're shady than there is between you and someone you think is shady. So if Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam can say that much good about a person, you should also be able to say that much good about a person. Again, there is exceptions if somebody, well, actually he stole my wallet, that's why I'm saying it. Okay, then go to the police and like take care of it. Go address all of your issues that are exempted by the sharia. Once it's all said and done, again, the easy path would have been say, to say, don't say anything about anyone ever. The difficult path is that you, have, you should redress what's wrong and then after that stop yourself. But it should be the barakah and the, the logical superiority, the rational superiority of that path, it should be clear to people that if nobody said anything about anyone, then the entire ummah, people would run crazy uh, in it and there would be no consequence for doing and saying bad things. And, uh, 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 you know, having penalties in, for crimes and for, for misdeeds, there's a mercy in it as well because it stops people from doing bad things. There's a mercy in it. There's a mercy in, 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 in the law of an eye for an eye. There's a mercy in the head punishments, etc., etc. Because it's a deterrent. If it wasn't for them, people would, you know, commit crimes more. Right? The, the Saudi state, which I by no means idolize, uh, but nor at the same time is it completely evil. The Saudi state that enforces the head punishment with regards to theft. Um, what's the result of that, that enforcement? Very few people steal stuff over there. You may have other gripes about it, or you may not... But very few people steal things over there because nobody wants to get their hands cut off. To the point where someone will drop a wallet in a place, it will stay there for weeks on the on the street side. No one will touch it out of fear of being uh, out of fear of being accused of, of of theft. There's a mercy in it, right? One person, a person might say, "Well, that's kind of gross. You're this horrible. You're cutting someone's hand off." But there's a mercy in it because th- things don't get stolen. Uh, um, so that's fine. It would have been easier for the nafs to train the nafs to never say anything at all. But there would have been harm for the ummah in it. And it's definitely easier to shoot your mouth off and not control yourself when you speak. The more difficult path is the one where you say to a limit and then you stop yourself. You have to control yourself and cut yourself off. And, uh, but the, the barakah is in there and that's the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. And again, it should be obvious to a person why that's a superior path. When Ka'bin ibn Malik ta'ala anhu fi hadithi tawil Again, this is the ibarah of the Riyadh Salihin. Uh, فَقَالَ لَهُ مُعَاذِ بْنُ جَبَلٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ بِئْسَ مَا قُلْتَ وَاللَّهِ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ مَا عَلِمْنَا عَلَيْهِ إِلَّا خَيْرًا فَسَكَتَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم متفق عليه وعتفاه جانباه وهو إشارة إلى إعجابه بنفسه So there's a, a long hadith 
if I'm not mistaken, it's like I think like the longest hadith in the entire uh, Sahih Bukhari, right? Uh, about the story about the, the the three people who were supposed to go with the with the uh, the army that went to Tabuk with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and when the army came back, all the munafiqeen they came and presented their excuses why I didn't go, why I didn't go, and uh, uh, um, those three they at least had enough they had enough like uh, uh, decency to not lie. They said, we should have gone, we could have gone, we didn't go. Uh, we're not going to lie to you that there was a reason that we didn't go. And so, uh, that's a very long hadith. And so as part of that hadith, when Rasulullah was in Tabuk, uh, 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 he asked, where's, where's Ka'b, ibn, Ka'b ibn Malik? Ka'b ibn Malik, Ka'b ibn Malik was uh, uh, um, one of those three people. And Rasulullah asked, where is he? So man from Banu Salama said what? Uh, he said, O Messenger of Allah, his vanity and his arrogance held him back. His vanity and his arrogance held him back. Mu'adh bin Jabal radiallahu anhu, who was another one of the few Sahaba radiallahu anhum who were given ijazah for giving, giving fatwa to the point where he used to actually hear cases and judge them during the lifetime of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Sayyidina Ali used to do that, Mu'adh bin Jabal used to do that, very few people. That the Messenger of Allah is still there, he used to send people to settle people's disputes. He didn't used to hear all the disputes on his own. Rather, he ijazah uh, 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 literally as a mujtahid during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. He, he in the front of the Prophet ﷺ, chastised, chastised uh, uh, this person and says, don't say that about him. Uh, what a horrible thing you said about him. We don't know anything ex- about him except for good. And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa in this case, by wahi, he knew that Ka'b bin Malik had no good reason to stay back, so he stayed quiet. Meaning what? A, he didn't disapprove of what Mu'ad bin Jabal did, because Mu'ad bin Jabal didn't know that he had no reason to, to hang back. So he had Husnadhan, he had a good opinion of his brother and defended him. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa A, didn't chastise Mu'ad bin Jabal radiallahu anhu, nor did he, nor did he uh, uh, see it proper in that situation to correct him either. Uh, to correct him and to actually say something that no, he actually had no reason of coming. Uh, and so that's a very long hadith. There's a lot of lessons in it for, for everybody. One of the more interesting lessons actually is that the Ka'bin Malik was the friends with the Christian king of Ghassan, the, the client state, Arab client state of Christian Arabs that were clients of the Byzantine Roman Empire. And so when the king of Ghassan heard that the the Sahaba had like uh, uh, given the silent treatment to his old friend. He said, what is this weird religion you joined? Why don't you come to me? I'll give you a house. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. We'll live it up like the old days. Leave these weird, weird people. So one of the, 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 the interesting lessons that we learned in, in, in uh, Dora and my madrasa, the Shaykh al-Hadith, he said that, he said, look, this is a constant from that time until this time that whenever the Muslims give da'wah to the Nasara, they'll say what? You believe in God, we believe in God. You believe in virtue, we believe in virtue. We'll tell them that, look, we practice what we preach way more than you do. You ever saw the, 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 the uh, uh, documentary, uh, Jesus Camp? It's a documentary about a Pentecostal evangelical woman, and she wanted to run training camps. She said, I saw how Muslim kids fast, and how they're like, from a young age willing to do anything for their religion and I thought how come we can't have our Christian kids do that literally even though she hates Islam but she's like no this is one thing the Muslims do well right 
So what is our da'wah to them? Is that what we both claim the same thing, but we practice what we preach more than you do. The flip side is always what? Their da'wah to us is always what? Join us. It'll be good for your dunya. Colonization will modernize. You'll get a good education. It'll be good for your economy, industry, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, we'll feed you. You can have a place to sleep. We'll give you a meal to eat. We'll send aid to your country, etc., etc. Uh, so I thought that was worthy of that was worthy of mention that he actually extracted that and said that it's not a new thing it's an old thing even the king of Hassan he didn't say that these people are immoral people he just said that like just come we'll have we'll have fun I'll buy you a house we'll get you a slave girl we'll get you money gold and silver and all of these things and uh, uh, and the king of Hassan used to live it up that's another whole the, the disc- descriptions of the lavish amount of wealth that he had uh, are very interesting he actually became Muslim at one time you know that. The king of Ghassan, Jabla, the king of the Ghassasina, he became Muslim. And he was making tawaf around the Kaaba. And a, a poor Bedouin accidentally bumped into him. And so he hit him. He punched him in, the, in, front, of the, in front of the Kaaba. And so that Bedouin went to Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu during his reign to complain that this guy, he, 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 I bumped into him by accident he punched me. And so Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu called him for judgment. That, uh, uh, that you struck, struck a man in the Kaaba unjustly. And so he found him guilty and he said to the Bedouin, now hit him back as his punishment. And the king, he says, whoa, I'm new in Islam, this is difficult for me to accept. Give me three days to prepare for your judgment. Sayyidina Umar says, take your three days. He bounced, he went to, he went to Constantinople, uh, joined the, the Byzantine Roman emperor and renounced his Islam and he died as an apostate. Uh, and his complaint about Islam was because of its justice. So, go figure. So this is, this is now the next lesson, has to, which has to do with what? It has to do with the two, quote-unquote, limbs of the heart that we haven't mentioned yet. Thus far we mentioned the tongue and the senses. Okay, These two limbs uh, are, are slightly different in the sense that they're one stacked on top of the other. Right? These are the two shahwatain. These are the two uh, uh, limbs, the inroads to the heart that are connected with a natural desire that a person has, which is the desire to, for food and drink, and the desire for the the carnal desire for uh, the sexual appetite that a human being has, and the two are built one on top of the other. Classically, the ulama understood them to be built on one on top of the other. The person who can control his eating and drinking, their sexual appetite will be in control. Whereas, if one is the the eating and drinking is out of control, the sexual appetite will be out of control as well. This is an insight that's also gleaned by the, from the Sunnah. Why? Or how? What's the delil, the proof of it? The proof is it, of it is that what is the, what is the uh, uh, solution Rasulullah said for a, a young man who cannot control, or a young person who cannot control their sexual appetite, but also cannot get married? Fasting. If you can decrease the, the amount of intake that the body has to a certain point, it may not work in one day or two days, but after one month, two months, three months of fasting, you wear down the body enough that it, it puts the, the sexual appetite into check. Uh, and notice that this is not the first solution. The first solution is what? Get married. If you can't get married, this is the, this is the second best. We don't have, we don't have uh, uh, like a celibacy, being monks and things like that in Islam. And we see the people who actually practice that it goes wrong. It doesn't. It doesn't work out in the end. 
it goes to weird places and it's not something that a person should do. Uh, and this is something that we, you know, we have culturally, both in America and in many countries that we come from, especially the Indian subcontinent, because uh, the Muslims of the subcontinent may be Hijazi by Aqidah, but they're Aryan by culture. So we have the same hang-ups that, 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 that Europe had that somehow the sexual appetite is completely evil or whatever. The deen doesn't teach that it's evil. The deen teaches that it's misuse is evil. It's control over you to the point where you commit haram is evil. Otherwise, in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with it. Otherwise, Rasulullah was married to nine women at one time. It comes in the hadith uh, that the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa at times would go and consummate his marriage with all of his wives in the same day. If there's something evil about that, then this wouldn't have been possible. Rather, there's nothing evil or wrong with it. It just has to be in its proper place, in its proper context. And making extremism in either, in either way, by completely letting it go beyond any check or boundary, just like that's evil, suppressing it in, in unnatural ways also can become very evil as we uh, have seen in, uh, uh, you know, with all these kind of like priest scandals and things like that, that that doesn't work out in the end. It actually becomes even worse later on uh, if you don't deal with it properly. So as a stopgap and a temporary measure, the understanding is that a person may fast in order to control help control themselves until they can get married. But the actual goal is, is marriage. Within that, fasting helps a person to uh, 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 ease the control that this desire has on a person. So this is why I put these two things in, in, in the same chapter. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ لَتُسْأَلُنَّ يَوْمَئِذٍ عَنِ النَّعِيمِ That one day you'll be asked, then one day you'll be asked about the blessings Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you. Uh, 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 as a reference to what uh, the most primary expression of a person's rizq is the thing that they eat. The, the, the food that they eat. The most primary expression of a person's sustenance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is is expressed in their food. وَعَنْ سَيْدْنَا أَبِي هُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ عَنْهُمْ قَالَ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ اَيُّهَا النَّاسُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ طَيِّبُ لَا يَقْبَلُ إِلَّا طَيِّبًا وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ أَمَرَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ بِمَا أَمَرَ بِهِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ فَقَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ يَا أَيُّهَا الرُّسُلُ كُلُوا مِنَ الطَّيِّبَاتِ وَاعْمَلُوا صَالِحًا إِنِّي بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ عَلِيمٌ وَقَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُلُوا مِنْ طَيِّبَاتِ مَا رَزَقْنَاكُمْ ثم ذكر الرجل يطيل السفر أشعث أغبر يمد يديه إلى السماء يا ربي يا ربي ومطعمه حرام ومشربه حرام وملبسه حرام وغذي بالحرام فأنا يستجاب لذلك رواه مسلم So this is mashallah my uh, uh, proof I put between as a shield between myself and anybody who after this will say why is it that the ulama constantly, all they can talk about is halal, halal, you should eat halal, and the, f- whatever, and I have a fatwa from whatever, Shaykh Fulan ibn Quran, that, uh, 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 that it's okay, I can eat X, Y, and Z, anything I want to, and this is America, and you're backwards, and there's more important things to deal with, and blah, 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 ad nauseum, the kind of weird, long grocery list of p- things that people, standard, get upset about when it comes to this issue about being careful about what you eat. And I will admit, one reason people are fed up with this issue is that for a very long time in America, masajid didn't have imams. And still to this day, majority of the imams in the masajid are not people who are actually trained in, 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 in fiqh, much less any other academic tradition uh, or, or branch of knowledge traditionally. So 
there's a lot of weird pseudo arguments that go back and forth. So someone will say, well, the Quran says you can eat the meat of the people of the book. Well, it does say that. But if a machine slaughtered your animal, is the machine a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim? Or is the machine an atheist? Or is the machine agnostic that it wonders from time to time, is there a God or not? And then that uneducated person doesn't even think about all of these possibilities. Then he says to the next guy, and who's operating the machine? Is he a Christian? Is he a Jew? Is it that they have like a, only the Presbyterian church is the only one who like runs a, a, a slaughterhouses in this country? And then the next person says, no, 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 no. Uh, the, the, uh, I've heard this before. It's so ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. Someone said, many people I've heard this. No, no. The Quran says the Christians and Jews of, of, the, of the old time because they didn't used to do shirk. Oh, yeah, really? It actually says in the Quran they used to do shirk back in the day, in the time of the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Those mushrikeen Christians and Jews, they're the ones that the slaughter of theirs is, is, is uh, permissible to eat. So people make up their kind of dumb reasons, they go back and forth with it, everyone gets fed up, and now all of a sudden this is an issue, becomes a laughing stock amongst people, even though, mashallah, thank you very much, we do have a sharia, we do have fiqh with regards to these things, and there is like clear rulings about them, but now because it's like a lineup, usual suspects, there's like, you know, the, the jackal and the hyena and the fox and the wolf, and the uh, uh, orangutan and the baboon and the lion, they're all in the same line, line up and they're all saying, I'm the king of the jungle, I'm the king of the jungle. Everyone says, forget you, you guys are all crazy. But no, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that everyone's crazy. But the problem is I, ex- I ex- appreciate the fact that people in the general public don't have the tools to evaluate who knows what they're talking about, who doesn't. All I can say is this is not a fit class, so we're not going to go into that issue all that much more, except to say this is an important issue. This, is a, this issue is a prerequisite to your progress in any other thing with regards to the deen. And what does Rasulullah said? Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, he said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, stood in front of the people and said, Indeed, Allah is pure, and he, accept, he doesn't accept anything other than that which is pure. Indeed, Allah is pure, and he doesn't accept anything other than that which is pure. If somebody were to hand you the bottle of water and say, It's pure. There's only one drop of urine in it. If they didn't tell you, you wouldn't have even known. And it probably won't make you sick either. If you have any fitra inside of you, you'd be like, that's disgusting, I'm not going to drink it. If you think you're too good to drink it, then how are you going to put impure things in front of Allah Ta'ala and accept, expect Him to accept it? And if you had the idea, no, maybe He'll expect, accept it, guess what? Rasulullah says He's not going to accept it. Read them and weep. He said, Allah Ta'ala is pure, and He doesn't accept anything other than that which is pure. That's why, by the way, we have, someone's like, oh my goodness, if you really think about it, then you're like, wow, we're up the creek without a paddle, because uh, there's nothing we do 100% right. That's why there's sunnah, uh, you know, nawafil before the salat and after the salat, that's why you pay the zakat al-fitr uh, uh, before the Eid for your fast of Ramadan. That's why people are, you know, give dima and uh, sacrifices for their, to rectify their hajj. That's why people give sadaqah on top of their zakat. Why? Because out of His mercy, Allah Ta'ala gave us ways of trying to recoup the losses we had from other things. But the rule is what? Allah Ta'ala is pure. And He doesn't accept anything other than that which is pure. And he commanded the believers with the exact same command that he gave his messengers, alayhimu salam. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, because Allah Ta'ala said, O oh, oh messengers, eat 
that which is pure and work righteousness. Indeed, I have full knowledge of that which you do. And Allah Ta'ala also said, O oh, you who believe, eat from the pure things that we have given to you in provision. Then Rasulullah mentioned a man who was long in sojourn, he was in a long trip. Ash'atha uh, Aghbara, dusty, sorry, disheveled and dusty. And he spreads his hands in front of the heavens and he says, Oh my Lord, oh my Lord. He's making dua for all sorts of different things. And the Messenger of Allah said that his food is haram and his drink is haram and his clothes are haram. And his entire growth, his whole body was nurtured the whole time on haram. Rasulullah asked what they call rhetorical question. It's not, he's not asking the answer. The answer is known. The question is asked, implying that the answer is obvious. How is that person's prayer going to be answered? So this is not a side issue. This is not an issue that like certain pig-headed and obstinate old world uh, 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 mulvies and uh, illiterate village preachers bring with them to the new world in order to impede the modern and uh, wonderful progress and revolutionary Islam of, uh, of, of, of the wonderful snowflakey uh, Muslims of America. Rather, this is a real issue because if you, don't, if you mess this thing up from the beginning, all the other next hundred steps that you do with your deen are all going to be necessarily messed up. And in fact, the, uh, there's a Qurtubi. He's not the Tafsir Qurtubi Qurtubi. Uh, but he's another, he's another uh, 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 muhaddith who confusingly is also a mufassir. And the, the mufassir is confusingly also a muhaddith. This is a different Qurtubi. His name is Ahmed as well, and they're from like the same century. But he wrote uh, Al-Mufhim, which is one of the canonical commentaries on Sahih Muslim. You'll see that. Where's Yekanam Jawad? The foundational shuruhat of, of, of Sahih Muslim are almost all almost all written by Malikis. In fact, even Nawawi's uh, 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 commentary is like an abridgment and gathering of different commentaries. The, mostly the business end of it is, is uh, 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 what you call, it's, it's by, it's the, he's quoting Qadi um, Yad from the, uh, um, from the Ikmal, which is, which is uh, uh, an expansion on the, the, the commentary of the Mu'lim of Imam Mazuri, who we mentioned last week, is actually Sicilian. Mashallah, he's actually Sicilian. So Sicilian, Sicilians wrote the first commentary on Sahih Muslim. Go home and celebrate your Italian heritage, everybody. Um, yes. So Qurtubi uh, writes in his Mufhim that the Hadith from the Siyak of the Hadith, the person who's being described is not a regular person. Rather, he's a person who has gone out in some journey of obedience to Allah Ta'ala, like jihad fi sabilillah or hajj. Why? Because the amount of difficulty that's, that's described, a person wouldn't undertake for some sort of like elective purpose. Sha'ath and, and, and ghubar, uh, disheveledness and dust. These are the, 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 uh, uh, the descriptions of the, the, the muhrim, the person who is in ihram. Right, the the right? That that person who's in, in, in that, that that is in in a, in a disheveled state and uh, uh, makes a lot of noise with the uh, with his talbiya labbek Allahumma labbek. Uh, so imagine someone goes out jihad fi sabilillah. Someone goes out in hajj. It's a pretty pious dude. So, you know, a woman is pretty pious sister. If you're going out, you know, like 
for, for Hajj, which is described by Rasulullah wasallam as the jihad of, of, of the women of this ummah. So that person, that pious person, who seemingly has all these other things together with regards to their deen, they're the ones who, in this state of like, uh, of tadarru' and utter humility in front of the Lord, and ostensibly in His obedience, they raise their, they spread their hands in front of the heavens and they say, Oh my Lord, oh my Lord, give me this, give me that. And Rasulullah says, answering their dua, not a chance. Not a chance. Food haram, drink haram, clothing haram. They're nurtured, they're brought up, all the money that was spent on them, all, uh, you know, there is tainted with haram. It doesn't mean it's all haram that, no, like, alhamdulillah, for the last 30 years I've only eaten and drunk on, like, the proceeds of, like, robbing liquor stores. No. What is haram? You mix a little bit of filth with something pure, the whole thing becomes filth. Why? This is a big deal. Whether or not your beard is the beardiest or your hijab is the hijabiest or you're, you have a fancy turban like, you know, mashallah, say mashallah myself and Mufti Muntasir have, alhamdulillah, mashallah, you know, uh, Jawad is in distant second place. Uh, you know, whether or not you have those things, if you can't get this thing together, you have problems. If you get this thing together and you're wearing, you know, jeans and a t-shirt, you're more of a you're more of a, a salik on the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than many people who look real fancy. And admittedly it's not easy. It's very difficult. And we constantly give salaqat and ask Allah Ta'ala for his forgiveness. But if if you're like, oh, why are you making such a big deal about it? This is why we're making a big deal about it, because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made a really big deal out of it. And so to other people it may be some sort of fanatical nitpicking. But to us, it's our deen. So the next, uh, uh, the next chapter, taking control of the sexual desires, which is the second one uh, we mentioned that, that's paired together uh, uh, with the, the stomach. When Abi Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu anin nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqala kutiba ala ibn adama nasibuhu min al-zina mudrikun thalika la mahala. العينان زناهما النظر والأذنان زناهما الاستماع واللسان زناه الكلام واليد زناه البطش والرجل والرجل sorry this is a this is a typo the, the it should be a kasra under the shadda والرجل زناه زناه الخطا والقلب يهوى ويتمنى يهوى والله يهوى يهوى ها يهوى والقلب يهوى ويتمنى ويصدق ذلك الفرج أو يكذبه متفق عليه وهذا لفظ مسلم ورواية البخاري البخاري مختصرة. so just to backtrack slightly about the خير anyhow then let's not backtrack uh, Abu Hurairah who narrates that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, the Prophet وسلم, said this is a hadith we, we, we made reference to earlier in the day that uh, a person it's written by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they will have some sort of portion from zina and they're not going to be able to escape it uh, uh, even a person who doesn't who doesn't actually have illicit intercourse with another person uh, 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 that person still is not going to be free from being touched by zina somehow or another. Rather, that f- is the most complete and ugly form of zina. 
and there are lighter forms that, that nobody will be able to escape from. Uh, at least some part of it, people will be affected by it, uh, some less than others, some more than others. Um, and he says, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that the two eyes, their zina is to look, and the two ears, their zina is to, to hear uh, uh, that which they're not supposed to listen to. And uh, the tongue, it's zina is speaking those things, saying those illicit things that you don't have a right to say to somebody that you're not married to. Uh, and that includes, by the way, not just the tongue, but it includes also the speech that comes from your communications through WhatsApp and messengers and emails and Facebooking and what mantafasbaka tabakwasa ila akhir al kalam. And the hand is to touch, sort of to grasp or touch the thing that is illicit for it to grasp and touch. And the, 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 the feet, their zina is to walk to the place that they weren't supposed to walk to. And the heart, uh, uh, the heart goes through its hawa, it's. it's being taken with, 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 with love, وَيَتَمَنَّى and its, its desires. Um, and then at the end of all of that, at the end of all of that, uh, a, a person has the option of either making those, those desires come th- true through their private parts or to refuting them and saying, no, this is wrong. I'm not going to accept this path. Allah Ta'ala protect all of us. Um, but this is a really important, I mean, this is a really important uh, idea, and people people don't take it seriously because it's not the it's not it's not the the ada and the custom of our home to not take to, to take these things seriously like that. Uh, and someone will say, if you look down, they'll say, oh, you're being awkward, or if you you know uh, are controlled and measured. I mean, for example, our vice president. I mean, I think the guy's a complete nutcase. I really think he's like morally bankrupt, munafit, hypocrite, has several screws loose. I have a very low opinion of the man. This is not my opinion as like representing IANT or Latif Foundation. This is my own personal Hamzian opinion. You're free to disagree with me if you want to. The one thing the guy does right, everybody gets up on him about. He says that I don't, I don't, I don't dine with uh, uh, women, who are, women other than my wife or my, my, my daughters, my relatives. They get, oh, look, this guy's crazy, this, this, that. No. He's crazy for a lot of other reasons, but not for this. This is actually something upright that he does. Because our culture doesn't accept that. But, and it's fine, you know, the earth of a place, it has a place in the Sharia, as long as it doesn't go against one of the established, uh, uh, one of the established bases of the deen. In this case, in this case, a person should remember, what is the commandment of Allah Ta'ala? The commandment of Allah Ta'ala is not, La Tazni. The commandment of Allah Ta'ala is not, Don't commit zina. The commandment of Allah Ta'ala is لا تقربوا zina. Don't come close to zina. And in this hadith, zina is being described in all of these different ways. And of course, the, the severity of the sin and the punishment from Allah Ta'ala for actually committing illicit intercourse versus looking at someone or something you're not supposed to look at is different. The, 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 the actual zina like of the legal definition is worse than and more intense in its amount of sin and disobedience than the uh, uh, than like looking or listening or whatever you know flirting with somebody and uh, that you're not supposed to be flirting with go flirt with your wife nobody ever does that except for uh, except well okay, I shouldn't say that because people do do that and that's why they stay happy and they stay safe from these things but a lot of people that the tabia, the disposition of a person is that every new thing is tasty for them, right? So if you know something, they're bored of it or whatever, it doesn't occur to them that that's something that, that they should be doing uh, uh, 
versus something else that they shouldn't be. But the point is, is this, is that if the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is don't go anywhere near zina, and these things are literally called zina in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. This hadith is muttafaqun alayh. Bukhari and Muslim are narrating it. So you don't even need to get into whether it's sahih or not. It's one of the first narrations of, this specific wording is one of the first narrations of, uh, of, of sahih Muslim. And he, Muslim actually uses it to, as a proof that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, his qadr, like uh, proof that Allah ta'ala predestined certain things for people. Because it said it's written for you that you'll be exposed to a number of these things and you won't be able to escape from them. Uh, uh, so if the commandment is don't come anywhere near zina, then it's better to protect yourself and have a bunch of modernist losers laugh at you for being like pence-like prude uh, than to taint your, your your soul with something, it's a sin and it leads to something so bad. It comes in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that a person who's actually committing the act of fornication, that that person isn't a believer while they're committing the act of fornication. Rather, the iman, their iman leaves their body and it hovers over them between them and the, the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it wasn't there, Allah ta'ala would have struck that person dead in that moment uh, because of the severity of, of that sin. So, that's option B. You can choose whatever you want to. This is this is what uh, you know. This is a person who can keep his gaze down. He's more Sufi than a person who flat floats in the air and does singing and dancing and all this other fun stuff. Mashallah, that Deepak Chopra will tell you all about in his new book about Rumi, which was written in a language that Rumi never spoke, etc. وأن سيدنا أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من وقاه الله شر ما بين لحيه وشر ما بين رجليه دخل الجنة رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن it's a hadith very similar uh, although slightly different in wording to one that passed from before that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said whoever Allah protected from the evil of what is between his two jawbones and the evil of that which is between his legs that person shall enter paradise. So we continue. Allah Ta'ala said, so this is the Islam submission, the levels of submission to the divine. This has to do with what? The idea that we talked about yesterday, I don't know if any of you went to either the Juma, uh, Juma Khutbah or the talk in the evening yesterday, but the idea that one of the characteristics of Wahy of Revelation is that how smart you are or how not smart you are have nothing to do with do with it. It's something everybody's equally has to humble themselves in front of and accept. And this is your humility of yourself for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause you to progress spiritually uh, quickly and your inability to do so will be an impediment. So just talking about that that idea of, of submission, that in submission uh, 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 the, the lies spiritual uh, uh, progress and the path of submission is superior superior to all other paths when it comes to revelation when it comes to other things then don't submit be my guest argue and do whatever you think is best when it comes to matters of wahi of revelation then there's only one path which is to submit if you're able to have your own wahi you would have done it a long time ago but you're not so all of us have to come with humility to the same court قال الله تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا ادخلوا في السلم كافة ولا تتبعوا خطوات الشيطان إنه لكم عدو مبين وقال تعالى فلا وربك لا يؤمنون حتى يحكموك فيما شجر بينهم وقال الله تعالى 
فلا تخشوا الناس واخشون ولا تشتروا بآياتي ثمنا قليلا ومن لم يحكم بما أنزل الله فأولئك هم الكافرون وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يكون هواه تبعا لما جئت به وقال الحافظ رجاله ثقات وقد صحه النووي في آخر الأربعين So uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in his book O you who believe enter into submission to Allah ta'ala completely and do not follow the footfalls of shaitan indeed he is an open enemy for you <coughs> and Allah ta'ala Allah most high said no I swear by your Lord they will not believe until they make you the arbiter and the judge in uh, uh, the disputes that they have between one another. Meaning who? The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa And Allah ta'ala said, don't fear the people, but fear me. And don't sell my, my ayat for a cheap price. And whoever doesn't uh, 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 rule by that which Allah ta'ala revealed, uh, those people are the dis- disbelievers, those people are the ingrates, they're the ones who are ungrateful to Allah ta'ala. Um, and I want to remind everybody that following the wahi is not an option. We live in a weird, like, screwball time where we have people, you know, we have people who are, like, they're respected people, they're invited to conferences and things like that. It's not even backbiting because they say these things openly, right? So there's a very famous, a very famous person who's becoming famous for all sorts of other reasons that we're not going to bring up right now. But, uh, uh, this idea of like for example Tariq Ramadan he says publicly that women should inherit the same share that a man inherits uh, uh, because whatever XYZ reason he has even though the Quran is very clear in in the uh, uh, the way that uh, inheritances are, separate, are divided to the point where this is one of those issues that there's the least amount of difference of opinion amongst the different schools of thought because it's so explicitly spelled out in the Quran how these things are supposed to go and the funny thing is, there are, certain, there are certain instances in which a woman will receive more than a man. If a person, if a person dies and he leaves uh, 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 siblings to their father, through their father and siblings to their mother, the siblings to the mother may inherit, the siblings to the father won't inherit. So a sister to the mother will inherit and the, the brother to the father won't. If someone has like, for example, shares a father with one brother and shares a sister with a mother, the sister may inherit and the brother may not inherit at all in that case. Not half, nothing, right? Nobody ever brought up like, oh yeah, even in those cases we should redistribute. This is all completely like, just like, oh look, uh, some kuffar and farangis said that Islam is misogynistic and so we're going to like, uh, no, no, we got to re- reevaluate all of this stuff now. And what the Quran really meant, what you're going to say what Allah Ta'ala really meant, how are you supposed to know? Did you understand what Allah Ta'ala understands? And the idea is that there's even, even you know, it's sufficient that Allah Ta'ala said it that we accept it. But in the Sharia, there's a very common sense answer as well, which is that women are not financially responsible for anyone other than themselves, whereas men are responsible for their female relatives financially. The judge can force, the, force a man to have to support his, his daughters and his mother and his sisters, whereas the uh, a woman doesn't have to support anybody, not even her own children. She's not financially obliged to support them, minor or major. If she does, it's considered a sadaqa, right? So this person gets invited to conferences every year and a big platform and retweeted and all of these other things. 
for essentially making rad of a hukam of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's not the only one. I can name like a number of people. Some of them, I won't name them because they're like intellectually, they're, they're taken seriously, but alhamdulillah, the general public doesn't know who they are, so I don't want to name their names just so I don't want to make you aware of somebody you haven't heard of from before. But they say these ridiculous and, and like silly things, right? What does, what, what does the, 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 the meaning of Islam? Islam doesn't mean peace. I don't care how many uncles get up on TV and say that Islam means peace. It doesn't mean peace. Islam means what? Submission. Salam means peace. Islam means what? It means submission. So Allah Ta'ala says what? They haven't believed. Allah swears an oath by Himself. He says, by your Lord. That person hasn't believed until you, He makes you, yani, the Prophet ﷺ, an arbiter in their affairs. This is kufr. It doesn't matter how the intelligentsia gets and how fancy-schmancy they seem and how many conferences they get invited to. This is, this is wrong. It's not just wrong as in haram. It's wrong as in kufr. It's an explicit commandment of the Book of Allah Ta'ala that people are, وَمَنْ الْكِتَابِ سَارَ مِنْ أَهْلِ It's a text of the Akhidat Tahawiyyah that whoever attempts to refute or negate a, 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 a commandment of the, of the Book of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that person has... Become one of the people of loss, one of the people of perdition, meaning one of the people of the hellfire. This is not permissible. If you want to accept it as wahi, you're a Muslim. If you don't want to accept it, and you want to say, you know, uh, Allah Ta'ala, you sit in a chair, and I'll sit in a chair, and let's have a talk, then you have nothing from the deen. If you want to have a conversation back and forth and struggle with God and things like that, you'll be happier as a rabbi, trust me. These are the types of things rabbis say. Which is fine, that's their religion, they'll have to deal with it, yawm al-qiyamah between them and Allah Ta'ala. In this world we respect them as our neighbors and friends and things like that. But that's not Islam. It's not Islam at all. Uh, uh, and so this is something, the reason, it's so silly, one would, perhaps generations have passed by that one wouldn't have to say things like this. But now we have to say things like this because this type of stuff is being touted as quote-unquote normal. It's not normal. It's not right. It's not right at all. It's wrong. If you read the books of our tradition, uh, why do you need to read the books of our tradition? Rasulullah himself is saying it. In fact, Allah Ta'ala himself is saying it. So, uh, 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 but if you believe that perhaps this is some sort of erroneous or extreme interpretation from uh, some crazy guy from Chicago and, you know, whatever, Mubarak will, will apologize on behalf of Latif and never invite him again, go look in the books of the ulama and see what they said about these people who say stuff like this. Uh, uh, the unbroken tradition that survives to us to this, to this point. Uh, and so Allah Ta'ala says, don't fear the people and fear me. And don't sell my ayat, the verses and the signs of my book for a cheap price. And whoever doesn't rule according to that revelation that Allah Ta'ala sent down, those people are the kafirun. And this is a hadith narrated by Abu Hurairah who It's a unique hadith in this entire collection. In fact, it's a unique hadith in the entire Riyadh al-Salihin. Because it's the only hadith that's neither from the Siha Sitta nor from the Mustadrak of Imam Hakim. However, the, the Muhaddithun, including Hafiz bin Hajr and Nawawi, all of them said that the, the, the narrators of this hadith are all of the standard of the Sahihain, of Bukhari and Muslim. Uh, and it's a hadith that, that the Muhaddithin have accepted as being Sahih despite not being included in those collections. That the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, One of you will not perfect your, your belief until their desire becomes conformant with that which I brought. 
And so this is something very interesting that people, they see like pious people and they're like, well, that guy probably just prays because he likes praying. No, like very few people, almost nobody like just quote unquote likes praying is born that way. That guy's just pious because they like piety and whatever. That guy just wakes up for Fajr because it's easy for them. It's not easy for anybody. However, if you've been waking up for Fajr for the last 40 years and you forget to set your alarm, you're probably just out of habit going to wake up anyway on time. It's not a habit you were born with. It's a habit you made. Rather than looking at people whose habits are in line with the Sharia and saying, oh, that person just is like that, know that that's actually a superior level of Iman. Because it means that person fashioned themselves as something was a, a crooked piece of ore, and then it was melted and refined and cleared from impurities, and then forged and hammered and fashioned into a sword. That sword is superior to the, the crooked piece of ore that it used to be. And the other crooked pieces of ore that are bricks and blocks and stones of ore that are still sitting there. Uh, so you're, the perfection and the completion of your iman is in what? Is in having done the right thing so many times, so many times, so many times, that it no longer is a struggle for you, or it's no longer as much of a struggle for you. Now you struggle on higher things. Because those early battles that you struggled with, you've completely worn yourself out and shaped yourself and fashioned yourself into somebody who submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will that person will receive the reward of the struggle that they used to do when they do it even though they don't have to struggle anymore because they changed themselves, they gave themselves up for the sake of Allah, so Allah gave them a better self in return and on top of that they'll receive more reward for dealing with other things, other issues that that initial struggling to wake up for Fajr couldn't even imagine that a person would have to deal with and this is a very, uh, uh, this is a very uh, high and lofty uh, maqam in the deen So we continue uh, with the lesson seven. I apologize if I feel like I'm, or it feels like I'm rushing through uh, 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 the text. It's just that I, I, I feel like we're so behind. Inshallah, Mufti Muntasar, when whatever I don't finish, he's going to come back and teach the rest of them. Latif, we'll do round two. Yeah. Eminem, baby. MMZ. Uh, uh, so these are the so. If we say that the so the the first the first chapter was what toba that's like like the soul of negative one okay then we talked about taqwa which is like the like like level zero that's where you start from then we talked about the inroads to the heart. Okay, now you're trying to get something good going in the heart. Now let's block out all the bad stuff and put in more good stuff. Okay? Now we shifted to another phase of the, the text, which is talking about the fadail and the radail of the heart. Which things are good for the heart, which things are bad for the heart. So submission is to Allah Ta'ala is good for the heart. Submission to your girlfriend is going to lead in a bad place. But submission to Allah Ta'ala is what? It's good for the heart. Submission to submission to your boss and to the government and to all this other stuff. They're in and of themselves. They're not a good thing. You only submit to them in relation to what Allah Ta'ala told you to render to them as far as their rights are concerned. But the only one who has the right to be submitted to without any question is who is Allah Ta'ala. So that was, that Islam was one of the fada'il, one of the virtues of the heart. Now we talk about some of the rada'il, some of the some of those those diseases of the heart the things that sicken the heart and that 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 that, that eventually may kill it if a, if they go unchecked in a person 
وقال الله تعالى وما أمروا إلا ليعبدوا الله مخلصين له الدين حنفاء they were not commanded but to worship Allah Ta'ala uh, 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 with sincerity to him uh, in deen uh, and inclining toward uh, 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 his truth, meaning being disinclined to any way other than his. So when people do fun and gamesy type stuff, when people uh, uh, set up weird groups and start killing people, or when people, uh, uh, you know, get stuck into like, yeah, now I'm a big speaker and I have to say this thing to make these people happy and that thing to make the other people happy. And when people do all the kind of weird, distracted, distracted fun and games they do and then they use the, the cloak of Islam, let them rein themselves back in. Let's all rein ourselves back in and remember, we weren't commanded except for to worship Allah Ta'ala with our, making our deen sincerely to Him, disinclining from anything else and inclining toward His deen. It's a very simple, it's a very simple formula. Yom Qiyamah, Allah Ta'ala is not going to ask you how come you didn't put the caliphate up unless you actually were able to do it in which case what are you waiting for? The rest of us, he's not going to ask us. He's not going to ask us why didn't you open a madrasa? He's not going to ask how come you didn't open a new masjid? As an individual, if you're able to do so and there's a need, yeah, he might ask you. But if you're not in the position to do those things, then you're not going to be asked about those things. Those are the, Everyone wants to worry about the president. Nobody wants to worry about the piece of paper and garbage uh, uh, in the street in front of their own house. Everyone wants to worry about the president and the king and the prime minister and all this big shot stuff that's outside of their scope. And the fact is that we worry about everything. We want good for everyone at every level. But the primary like bandwidth should be taken up by those things that you can do. And everybody, even if you're a slave that's in chains, even if you're shackled upside down in a dark room and you can't even move, Allah Ta'ala protect us from ever being in such a situation. Inside of your own heart, you're king. Nobody, nobody has the right or the ability to enter in there, except for whoever you let in. And that's what you were first commanded and I was first commanded to deal with. And so if that, if that uh, imperative is compromised, if that mandate is compromised for something else, then know that you've let things come out of order uh, of importance. And Allah Most High said, لَا تُبْطِلُوا صَلَقَاتِكُمْ بِالْمَنِّ وَالْأَذَىٰ كَالَّذِي يُنْفِقُ مَالَهُ رِئَاءَ النَّاسِ Do not invalidate your charity uh, uh, by seeking favor through it or causing harm like the one who spends his uh, wealth in order to show off to people. That you gave someone charity and then you asked for a favor from them afterward. Or you gave someone charity and you kept bothering. Remember I gave you this, remember I gave you that, this, that and the other thing. Don't be like that because it's a sign that you did it just to show off. That you did it just to show off. And ostentation is, 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 a, is a cancer of the heart. وَقَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ يُرَاءُونَ النَّاسَ وَلَا يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا He describes the munafiqeen as the ones who just show off to one another. And they don't actually remember Allah Ta'ala. Even though they're praying and giving khutbahs and masjid presidenting and speeches and this and that. But the, and 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 uh, uh, you know dressing nicely and showing up with nice clothes and with nice perfume in front of everybody and masjidi type events and whatever. But uh, and donating big big checks and whatnot. All they're doing is showing off to one another and they don't remember Allah Taala and doing those things except for very little. It doesn't mean that everybody does that. There are a lot of people who remember Allah Taala and doing those things. But uh, uh, the munafiqeen are not them. And sometimes the difference between the two of them are subtle. You can't tell as an outsider which one's who, who's, who's doing what.
you know, there are a lot of, there, like, you know, like there's animals in nature. So there's a snake that's really poisonous. And then there's another snake that looks like the one that's really poisonous, but it, it, it can barely bite you. Uh, two things look very similar to one another, but, you know, you won't know from, from the outside which one's which. وعن جندب بن عبد الله بن سفيان رضي الله عنه قال قال النبي صل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من سمع من سمع سمع الله به ومن يرأي 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 الله به متفق عليه ورواه مسلم أيضا من رواية ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما سيدنا جندب بن عبد الله بن سفيان رضي الله عنه said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said Whoever, uh, whoever speaks in order to be heard, not for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, whoever speaks in order to be heard uh, uh, on the other day, on the day of judgment, um, Allah Ta'ala will make all of his secrets heard in front of people, all of the bad things about that person. Because they wanted to say something nice in order to be heard, like how good they are. Allah Ta'ala will let the people hear all of their secrets to show how bad they really are on the day of judgment. And the one who... Uh, um, uh, the one who uh, shows off to other people in order to be seen, uh, that person, Allah Ta'ala, will show everybody uh, uh, all of their bad things in front of everyone on the Day of Judgment. We should have a little bit of shame when doing something, even though a, a person, generally their nature is that they would like that other people see good about them. But to purposely show off, a person should be a little bit careful. A person in those situations, they should they should be careful and they should remember that I also have sins. Imagine in this in this gathering, if my sins were to be seen by people, how would I feel? And this is interesting. You know, like when anyone here in the financial sector, right? So you're kind of, you're in business school, right? So if I have like like Apple's a pretty good, a pretty strong company, powerful company, isn't it? Right? If I have a billion dollars, should I just buy Apple shares with all of it? If you just failed, no. Why? You should diversify. You should diversify because if something happens to Apple, the entire ship is sunk. If you diversify, something goes down, something goes up. Your money is more safe that way. Your work for the Akhirah is like that as well. Just like certain investments are high risk, high gain, and certain investments are very stable. The sadaqah that you do, that's so subtle that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is spending, that may not be what gets the masjid built completely. However, it is something that you know it's money in the bank, both literally and spiritually. And it's unassailable unless, until and unless you actually spill the beans and tell anybody else, or like if you leave the dean or something like that, generally it's relatively safe, right? Those deeds that are so subtle that even your children don't know about them, even your spouse doesn't know about them, even your parents doesn't know, don't know about them, your friends don't know about them, you never told them to anybody whatsoever, so someone might say, well, how about the Jummah Khutbah? Someone has to give the Jummah Khutbah, right? I chewed all of them out that if you want to give the Khutbah, you should go to Madrasa for the next, like, whatever, five, six years, and then give it instead of, like, just, you know, coveting the, the mimbar for free, right? Okay, Mufti Muntasir is here. He's like the like alim of your qawm. It's actually befitting of him to give the, the Jummah Khutbah, right? He's someone in that position. Or you become the Masjid President because there's nobody else to do it, and you didn't want to, but they put you in the, in the position, and you're in a position in order to do the job well and whatever. Go ahead and do all of those things. Don't abandon them. Don't be like, eh, too, too humble uh, to do all of this and no, stuff for Allah and I'm not going to show off. And then like the masjid goes into bankruptcy or whatever, right? No. 
Okay, if it's if if the you didn't covet it and it came to you, all right. Sayyidina Umar radiAllahu anhu when he when he became Khalifa, uh, the blood drained from his face and he took the took the bay'ah from the people. He took their oath of allegiance and he said, "I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam say, whoever whoever seeks this affair, Allah will destroy him through it, and whoever uh, this affair is thrust on his shoulders, Allah will aid him in it. So go ahead and do it." And seek Allah Ta'ala's help if you did it the right way. However, don't expect you're going to see any of those deeds on the Day of Judgment. If it happens, surprise, surprise, how pleasant. Don't expect that you, unless, you know, that you're like the super, like, uh, like, Sufic ninja, that like you're immune from, uh, uh, immune from uh, uh, showing off and you're, you're, you're going to be able to avoid all these pitfalls. You're a human being at the end of the day. Everybody likes people to like them. There's nobody who was like, yeah, I want everyone to hate me. Those people are actually usually, they don't need to go to like a Sufi sheikh. They need to go to like a mental institution because their, their disposition is imbalanced. No normal person likes everyone to hate them. So, you know, do the work. Ask for Allah Ta'ala's help. Do something a little bit on the side, expecting that none of this is going to pay off on the Day of Judgment. If it does, Eid Mubarak to everybody. Uh, but uh, these, this is a very precarious path to go down. When said Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam man ta'allama ilman mimma yubtaga bihi wajhullahi azza wa jalla la yata'allamuhu illa liyusiba bihi aradhan minad dunya lam yajid arfa al-jannati yawm al-qiyamati ya'ni rihaha rawahu Abu Dawood bi isnadin sahihin wal-ahadithu fi fil-babi kathiratun ma'luma so this is really scary for a number of people. That Sayyidina Abu Hurairah mentioned or narrated that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, whoever learned a knowledge um, from, those no- from those knowledges that are learned for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, seeking the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, literally seeking the face of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, Azza wa Jal, mighty and majestic is He, uh, but they didn't. That that's that's why they should have learned it. But they didn't learn it except for in order to get a piece of the pie, to get a piece of the dunya, uh, uh, um, uh, get some material of the dunya. That person won't even he won't even smell the fragrance of jannah on the day of judgment. Meaning what? The fragrance you can smell from far away. They won't even smell the fragrance of jannah. They're not going to come anywhere near it. So everybody who wants to go to medical school in order to help people. Good for you. Uh, uh, Allah Ta'ala will test you and you'll have a chance to help people more or make more money and, mashallah, have fun. Uh, uh, and everybody who wants to, mashallah, give the khutbah because I want to serve Islam, uh, uh, you know, but they have the chance to say the haq or make people happy and they make the right choice or the wrong choice. Good for you. It's an extremely perilous path to go down. And this has to do with how horrible showing off is. There's Rasulullah says in another hadith, he says that the riyah showing off uh, uh, is what? It's a shirk al-asghar. It's the, the, the minor shirk. Uh, so imagine how, imagine, uh, imagine how bad that, that sin is that it should be uh, associated with kufr in any way. Because we know from our aqidah that kufr is a qualitatively higher order of rebellion against the Lord, mighty and majestic is he, than any sin. 
وأن سيدنا أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول قال الله تعالى أنا أغنى الشركاء عن الشرك من عمل عملا أشرك فيه معي أشرك فيه معي غيري تركته وشركه أشرك فيه معي غيري تركته وشركه رواه مسلم Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu narrates a hadith Qudsi that, the mess- that he heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam say, Allah Most High said, I am the, 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 the partner that's in least need for, for partnership. So whoever does a deed for me, uh, or so whoever does a deed in which they intended it to be for me and for someone else at the same time, I leave that share to whoever else they intended it for. Meaning if a person does something like, oh, I'm doing it for the sake of Allah, and also there's, mashallah, you know, uh, sister so-and-so in the sister section that, you know, I kind of want to impress and this and that. Allah Ta'ala says, look, if you enter me into a partnership that I have to share something with somebody, I don't need any, I don't need to share anything with anyone. Anything that somebody gives me a piece of it and gives someone else a piece of it, I just say it's. I give my share back to the to the other people that you did it for, uh, and uh, 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 and I, I leave that that deed completely. Which is another way of uh, uh, of expressing the same concept that Allah Taala is pure and He doesn't accept anything other than that which is pure. So an shirk. It should be very scary for a person that any part, even if it's ninety nine percent for the sake of Allah Ta'ala and one percent in order to impress the brothers because the master's election is coming up or whatever hundred other reasons that, that are there, you know, uh, uh um because I want to be accepted by the people at work or whatever. Um all of those all of those things, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will abandon that deed. He will not accept it. And this is very important. A person has to understand this is one of the things that our ulama drilled into us, our mashaykh, when we were when we were studying. And I see it's like almost rarely, if not almost never mentioned over here. Which is, you can do a deed. It's difficult enough to do a deed correctly. If you did it un- incorrectly, you should assume it's going to be rejected. If you prayed without wudu, rejected. If you prayed like one raka'ah too short, you prayed three, three raka'ahs for zuhur instead of four, you can assume it's going to be rejected. There's no real need to think about it. However, just because you did something the right way, doesn't mean it's going to be accepted. Allah Ta'ala gets to choose who He accepts from. Allah Ta'ala doesn't accept from anyone other than the one that fears them. So a person should constantly be afraid, does Allah Ta'ala accept this or does He not accept it? And He also tells the reasons for why things are not accepted. And one of them is what? To do something for the sake of anyone other than Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Now the, the genius thing of the Prophet wasallam is what? is that what was he doing for 23 years? They conquered barely anything. They conquered just the backwoods of the Arabian Peninsula. Even that, almost all of it rebelled once Rasulullah passed away. What did he do for all that time? That, that Omar and Uthman عنهما, conquered more territory, Abu Bakr conquered more territory than him. What did he do? He prepared that Abu Bakr and Uthman and Omar because conquering territory is easy. Preparing human being is very difficult. And the person who can do small deeds with purity and ikhlas, for them to do big deeds is easy. It's an easy jump to jump from doing small things, small deeds with ikhlas to doing big deeds with ikhlas. But the person who cannot do something small with ikhlas, they, and, they, and they can do big things also but not with ikhlas, to teach them to do anything with ikhlas is very difficult. What does ikhlas mean? It means sincerity, but it literally means to make something pure. 
So these ahadith are, are, are very explicit, very clear that the prophetic methodology requires teaching somebody to do something with the purity of intention first. And if it looks big or small to other people, to heck with them. If you can learn to do something simple like pray four raka'ahs without thinking about anyone other than Allah for the four minutes it takes you to pray that those four raka'ahs, if you can do it, good for you, make dua for me, it's difficult for me. If you can teach someone to do that, then that person, to teach them how to take over the world and run a government, you know, out of the fear of Allah Ta'ala and not being greedy, is easier than finding someone who teaches, who has taken over the world already and teaching them how to pray four raka'ahs with ikhlas. The prophetic methodology puts the purity, the training of purity in a person's intention first. And then after we let them rip on the world, that's fine. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. They'll do good things. They'll do great things. They'll do great things, but you have to get to that point. Uh, and that's the difficult part. That's the, 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 the amazing part uh, uh, that proves that the deen is from, from revelation and not from, from this world. Because people of this world, they not only aren't able to do things with ikhlas, they don't even know what the point of ikhlas is. Yes. Uh, what about for someone who does certain ibadah with the hope or a secondary goal and to inspire someone else that's watching him to also do something? For example, a father. Maybe the father doesn't. Yeah, you do things for a good, 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 good uh, uh, example. Mm-hmm. Like I said, diversify your investments. It's possible that a person may do something, and even the showing off is for the sake of Allah Ta'ala because they want mm-hmm. their children to, like, whatever, have good deen. Mm-hmm. But it's like high risk, high, high, high reward. Go ahead and do it, but don't assume that it's going to count because there's very few human beings that are able to be immune from their immune to their own nafs getting in at the last minute and being like, "Ha, ah, look, my kid thinks I'm pious, right?" Um, uh, so do it, don't stop, but do something else on the side in order to hedge against if those deeds fail fail you on the day of judgment. وعنه رضي الله عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول إن أول الناس يقضى يوم القيامة عليه رجل استشهد فأتي به فعرفه نعمته فعرفها قال فما عملت فيها قال قاتلت فيك حتى استشهدت قال كذبت ولكنك قاتلت لأن يقال جريء فقد قيل ثم أمر به فسحب على وجهه حتى ألقي في النار ورجل تعلم العلم وعلم وعلمه وقرأ القرآن فأتي به فعرفه نعمه فعرفها قال فما عملت فيها قال تعلمت العلم وعلمته وقرأت القرآن وقرأت فيك القرآن قال كذبت ولكنك تعلمت ليقال عالم وقرأت القرآن ليقال هو قارئ فقد قيل ثم أمر به فسحب على وجهه حتى ألقي في النار ورجل وسع الله عليه وأعطاه من أصناف المال فأتي به فعرفه نعمه فعرفها قال فما عملت فيها قال ما تركت من سبيل تحب أن ينفق فيها إلا أنفقت فيها لك قال كذبت ولكنك فعلت ليقال جواد فقد قيل ثم أمر به فسحب على وجهه حتى ألقي في النار رواه مسلم وجريء بفتح الجيم وكسر الراء والمد أي شجاع حاذق. So 
this is a very scary hadith. We should take a lesson from it. Because whatever, for whatever reason, we act like these things are like. We're immune to them, but we're not. Uh, and here's a story about people who probably did more for the deen than us, and they got caught. Uh, so, uh, you know, Battariq al-Awla, uh, we should also fear getting caught even more so than, than, than them. That Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu also narrates that I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, uh, the first person, indeed the first person that will be judged on the Day of Judgment will be a man who was, who was martyred, or who ostensibly seemed like he was martyred in the path of Allah ta'ala, uh, he will be brought forth. Allah Ta'ala will show him all the blessings he gave him and the person will admit to them. Uh, and then uh, Allah Ta'ala will say, what did, uh, you know, what did you do with those blessings? He said, I fought in your path until I was martyred. Allah Ta'ala said, you lie. Rather, you fought so that people would say that you're brave. And they said it. Then it w- he will be commanded to be dragged by his uh, face uh, and flung into the fire. Uh, and a man, then the next person who will be judged on the day of judgment, uh, uh, will be a person who learned knowledge and taught it and recited the Quran, and he will be brought and he will be shown his uh, blessings that Allah gave him, and he will uh, acknowledge them. And then Allah Taala will say, "What did you do with these blessings?" Uh, and he'll say, "I learned knowledge and I taught it, and I read for your sake the Quran." I recited for your sake the Qur'an. Allah Ta'ala will say, you lie. Rather, you learned so that it would be say, said about you that you're a, a scholar, you're an alim. And you uh, recited the Qur'an so that it would be said, you're a Qur'an reciter, you're a qari. Uh, and it has been said about you, uh, meaning you got what you wanted already. Uh, then it will be commanded that that person be dragged on his face and flung into the fire. And the third one uh, will be a, a man who Allah Ta'ala uh, 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 was generous to and gave him uh, from all different types of wealth. And uh, he will be brought forth and he will be shown the blessings he was given and he will admit to them. Uh, and uh, it, Allah will say, what did you do with these blessings? And he will say, I didn't leave any path that you love people to spend on, except for I spent uh, in your, uh, ex- I spent on that path for your sake. And Allah will say, you lie. Rather, you spent so that people will say that this person is a, uh, a, an extremely generous person. The Sahih is the person, if you ask him, he's the generous one, if you ask him, he gives. The Jawad is the one that he gives even without being asked. That, you, that, you were, that people would say that you're so, you're the superlative example of generosity. And people said it about you, uh, then it will be commanded that that person be uh, dragged by their face and flung into the fire. This is like scary stuff. Very few of any of us will ever be martyr in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Very few of us will ever have that much money, much less spend it in the path of Allah ta'ala. Very few of us will have any knowledge uh, or much less this level of knowledge that the person, the people will know that person amongst the qawm to be a master, a reciter of the Quran and a master of, of, of scholarship. So if those people can go wrong with it, people like us, it can, you know, it can go very wrong. It can go very wrong. A person, the person who thinks that it's not going to go wrong, they're the ones that it goes wrong for. The person who constantly is afraid of it going wrong, they're the ones that have a chance of being saved. Uh, Allah Ta'ala uh, save us all. 
I apologize. We're going on long. We're going two hours without a break. But, you know, after that, then you can go home and, inshallah, we'll be done with the day. So, inshallah, have a little bit more uh, patience. And uh, we'll get through as much as we can. And whatever we don't get to, mashallah, Mufti Muntasir so generously volunteered to, uh, uh, mashallah, to, to finish the book with you all. Tahrim uh, al um, Hasad. The, uh, 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 the the prohibition of envy. وَهُوَ تَمَنِّي زَوَالَ هُوَ تَمَنِّي زَوَالَ النِّعْمَةِ عَنْ صَاحِبِهَا I think this is a typo. It should be a, 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 a fatha or a kasra. Anything but a dhamma. يُجُدْ تَمَنِّي زَوَالَ النِّعْمَةِ أو زَوَالَ النِّعْمَةِ عَنْ صَاحِبِهَا سَوَاءٌ كَانَتْ كَانَتْ نِعْمَةَ دِينٍ أو دُنْيَا that hasad, the, the, the definition of envy uh, for the purposes of the shara is to wish for someone who has a blessing to lose it. Whether that blessing is a blessing of the deen or a blessing of the dunya. So for example, if someone else has something nice and you're like, oh, that's cool, I wish I had one too. It's not so bad. I mean, it might not be a sin at all, in fact. But the idea that you... You're like, ah, that person doesn't deserve it. You feel bad that someone else got something. It makes you angry or burn inside. That's really bad. That's not good. If you, you know, wish to have it as well, it's probably better not to. Why? Because Allah gives everyone exactly what they need. And He chooses the best for a person as long as that person has iman. I, we won't say chooses best, but He chooses good for everyone as long as that person has iman. A person should always ask Allah for what's best. And let him decide. Whatever his decision is, you should revere his decision more than you revere your own. The problem with, with, with wanting someone else to lose their, their blessing is not only is it a jerk thing with regards to somebody else, but the more deep and insidious uh, uh, problem is what? Is that the supposition is that Allah Ta'ala made a mistake or that you knew uh, better when you think someone else got something they didn't deserve. You think that you know something about what they deserve better than what Allah Ta'ala knew. And that's really bad. That's really bad. قال الله تعالى أم تحسد أم يحسدون أم يحسدون الناس على ما آتاهم الله من فضله وفيه حديث أنس السابق في في الباب قبلهم وأن أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ياكم والحسد فإن الحسد يأكل الحسنات كما تأكل النار الحطب أو قال العشب العشب عفوا رواه أبو داود the 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 translation here is wrong it should شام يحسد يحسد يحسدون الناس should be do they envy the people envy the people for what Allah Taala gave them gave them from His grace um, the idea is that there was a lot of envy. There was hasad when Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when he had received his nubuwa, the other clans of Quraysh were like, "This is bogus. How come we're not? We don't get a nabi." Uh, uh, th- that's really what a lot of it boiled down to. It wasn't like they had a they 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 you know they had any legitimate grievance that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is calling toward anything that doesn't make sense or isn't really good. But they're like, "This is like." This is they're trying. They're like this is uh, Banu Banu Hashim trying to get a leg up on us, uh, or whatever. And so imagine Hasid is such a bad sickness that Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab 
Abu Lahab is literally, he would have been like the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet ﷺ if he had accepted the deen. Abu Jahl, these are the close relatives, these are the noble men of Quraysh and the close relatives of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. If they had accepted Islam, they would have had a maqam like no other. But now they're like going to become the laughing stock of the hellfire. Hasad made it go really wrong for them. And it can make it go really wrong for, for, for other people as well. Uh, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he, he, he said that the Messenger of Allah, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, I warn you with regards, to, uh, with regards to hasad, with regards to envy. Because envy will consume uh, a person's good deed. A person's good deeds like uh, fire uh, consumes firewood. Or like fire consumes a brush or twigs in a different in a different wording, the, the kindling it lights up really quickly, right? It's gone. It's like pff, just uh, it's toast real quick. Uh, just like that, the hasad will uh, will eat up a person's good deeds. Uh, so take warning from that. There's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that a person can be forgiven for having jealousy uh, 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 for two things, right? Uh, uh, um, one is a person who Allah Ta'ala gave knowledge to and he teaches the people by day and night and judges justly in, in their disputes and in their affairs and the second is a person who Allah Ta'ala gave him a huge sum of money and that person spent it in the path of Allah Ta'ala sallatahu ala halakihi literally Allah Ta'ala gave him authority over that wealth until he completely dissipated it all in the path of Allah Ta'ala right? but that again those don't mean that you wish that person to lose the 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 uh, um, the blessing rather it's so awe inspiring when a person has that blessing that a person can be forgiven for wishing like I had that too you know uh, nowadays we do that with cars but there's a part of the ummah that used to do that with like like more important things like this uh, inshallah uh, this uh, last chapter inshallah we'll go through and then we'll, we'll we'll call it a day this is a really important chapter uh, uh, because these are these are the these are the fitna of the qom we live in. Every qom has their own fitna. This this chapter regards the fitna of our qom. So it's talking about two things. One is egomania, the worship of your nafs, like or, which you know. I think it wouldn't be a stretch to say individualism, or at least you know, uh, pathological individualism. Um, and the second is something that people don't even know is haram, which is the love of leadership. I taught in an Islamic school uh, um, for a quarter as a substitute. Okay, I taught Islamic studies, and I told the kids, "So you know, like uh, loving leadership is just as haram as like eating a ham sandwich." No. What if I want to be a leader to help people? I said, "You don't have to be a leader to help people. You can go clean the bathroom." Like, no, but I can do more if I'm a leader. I'm like, no, you can keep cleaning bathrooms. You can do a lot. Trust me. Uh, you don't have to be president and have a chair and order people around in order to help people. There's a lot of help that happens, meaningful help that happens before that point. Um, and uh, I told them, you know, the hadith that we're going to read now. And like literally there were like a couple of kids that were in shock. They were like, the system was like trying to vomit up what they just heard because they couldn't accept it. And I'm like, okay, don't believe me. Go ask Sheikh Khalid who's also teaching and go ask Sheikh Omar who's the principal of the school if you think I'm like hardcore crazy guy, uh, substitute teacher. And so they actually went and I'm like, what did they say? Like, yeah, you're right, it's haram. <laughs> so like, these are like eighth graders, mashallah. So you one would think that they'd got them get the memo by then, but they don't. And part of it is because people don't know. Part of it is because people know, but they don't really take it seriously. I mean, it's really haram. It's like, you know, less of a sin to walk into the masjid with a beard. 
than to walk into the masjid thinking, I should be president. I should be imam. I should be the sheikh. I should give the khutbah. This is all like shaitan type stuff. This is all shaitan type talk. This is all shaitani uh, 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 attributes that a person walks in with. But, you know, go figure. These are the things we teach our kids. We te- and people teach their kids this is so horrible. We te- you know, like, oh, you're going to be a leader. You after this, walk into the room and you should be the one who this. You should run for this, run for that, and blah, blah, blah. And look, there is something praiseworthy like Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam he, said, he, he explained to the king that there's going to be this problem and I can help you solve it right but there's a difference between that and walking into room and thinking you're better than other people you have an innate like offering to help has, is different than have, feeling you have an innate superiority in front of other people Sidi Ahmad Rifai who was one of the great mashayikh of, uh, of Tasawwuf he said this he said this and Moana Ashraf Ali Tanwi really was impressed with this saying of his. He said he said in his gathering majlis probably hundreds of people are there. He said that he said that I I, I, I would be raised on the day of judgment with Firaun and Haman. I would be raised on the day of judgment with Firaun and Haman if I felt in my heart that I was better than anyone in this in this room. Those are strong words. If I were you I wouldn't say them. I definitely wouldn't have. But those are people, these are genuine states that passed over their heart. Because of the, the bitter and difficult struggles that they did in order to engender these qualities into, inside of themselves. A person shouldn't look at another person and think that they're better than them. It's a complete sickness. It's in the idea that you're so much better that you have the right to be some sort of leader because that's like completely and totally 100% bogus. And it's, it's a sign that something's very wrong. And it's very haram. Uh, I don't know how to say that, you know, because people are like, yeah, normal haram stuff, I do it all the time. No, this is like one of the things that will completely sink your ship. Allah Most High said, Allah Ta'ala, Tilka darul akhirati naj'aluha lil-ladhina la yuridun uluwan fil-ardi wa la fasada wa la'aqibatu lil-muttaqina. Allah Ta'ala says in His book, this is the, or that's the, the abode of the akhirah. We made it for those who don't wish to exalt themselves in the earth nor to cause mischief. And uh, uh, in the end, the people who fear Allah Ta'ala will come out on top. And Allah Most High said, uh, Don't walk in the earth in exuberance. No swagger, Texas or otherwise. Rather, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to walk very humbly. His walk was very functional, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, because the people in Jahiliyyah used to like walk like you're a big man, you know, in order to be seen. Whereas Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he used to t- his head was tilted forward and his gait was tilted forward, and he would walk really fast as if he's walking downhill wherever he walked, because he knew where he was going, so he got there quickly. Whereas if you're just along for the ride, there's no real point to what you're doing, then uh, 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 you know, then you're you're just showing off. Uh, so don't walk in the earth in exuberance. Uh, and Allah Most High said, وَلَا تُسَعِرْ خَدَّكَ لِلنَّاسِ وَلَا تَمْشِ فِي الْأَرْضِ مَرَحَا إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ كُلَّ مُخْتَالٍ فَخُورٍ وَمَعْنَى تُسَعِرْ خَدَّكَ لِلنَّاسِ أَيْ تُمِيلُهُ وَتُعْرِضُ عَنْهُ وَتُعْرِضُ بِهِ عَنِ النَّاسِ تَكَبُّرًا عَلَيْهِمْ وَالْمَرَحَ التَّبَخْتُرْ 
It says, don't raise your face with contempt for others, nor romp about in the earth in exuberance. Verily, Allah loves not those who are conceited in vain. Meaning what? Meaning thinking you're better than other people. These people are boaters, and these people are kafirs, and these people are fasak, and these people are stupid, and these people are uneducated, and these people are tacky, and these people are not fashionable, and these people are this, and those people are that, and these people are, you know, of a different race, and these people are immigrants, and these people are God knows what, right? People have all of these weird things they put in their stories they tell themselves, and things that they put inside of their head. It's the same thing that shaitan and iblis uh, put inside of his head when he saw Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam. And that was a big mistake. It cost him everlasting life. He's going to go to the hellfire for it forever. So don't make the same mistake. Because the happy one is the one who learns a lesson from other people's, uh, uh, other people's uh, misfortunes. And Allah Ta'ala said in His book, أَوَلَمْ يَعْلَمَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ أَهْلَكَ مَنْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ مِنَ الْقُرُونِ مَنْ هُوَ أَشَدُّ مِنْهُ قُوَّةً وَأَكْثَرُ جَمْعًا وَلَا يُسْأَلُ عَنْ ذُنُوبِهِمُ الْمُجْرِمُونَ فَخَرَجَ عَلَى قَوْمِهِ فِي زِينَتِهِ قَالَ الَّذِينَ يُرِيدُونَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا يَا لَيْتَ لَنَا مِثْلَ مَا أُوتِيَ قَارُونَ إِنَّهُ لَذُو حَظٍّ عَظِيمٍ وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمَ وَيْلَكُمْ ثَوَابُ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ لِمَنَا مَنْ وَعَمِنَ الصَّالِحًا وَلَا يُلَقَّاهَا إِلَّا الصَّابِرُونَ فَخَصَفْنَا بِهِ وَبِدَارِهِ الْأَرْضِ so This is the story of one of the, one of the classical villains of the book of Allah Ta'ala. Qarun, who was not Egyptian, he was from Banu Israel. And he was a man of knowledge, and he was a man of power and strength. Verily, Qarun was from the people of Musa and he committed excesses against them. We gave him such treasure that just lifting the keys uh, of it strained the mighty. Musa said to his people, Do not rejoice pointlessly at the sight of his wealth because Allah Ta'ala does not love those who rejoice so. And seek out that which Allah has prepared for you from in the abode of the hereafter and forget not your portion of this world. By the way, this seek out what Allah Ta'ala appointed for you in the hereafter and don't forget your portion of this world. People, tahrifan, you know, the one, one thing is to change the Qur'an and its words. It's protected from that. Someone will try, they'll fail. People, another tahrif they do is to try to change the meaning of the same words. So they say, see, look, Allah Ta'ala says in His book, seek what Allah Ta'ala has prepared for you from the Akhirah, but don't forget your, your portion of this world, meaning work for both of them. No, actually, the tafsir of this, don't forget your portion of this world is what? Your kafan. That's the only part of the, this world you're going to take with you into the grave. This is a misunderstanding people prop, uh, 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 promote. I'm telling me the hadith of the Prophet wasallam is that one of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum in the, uh, in the battle uh, of Uhud, he's sitting eating a bunch of dates and he says, Ya Rasulullah, what will I receive uh, if I die in the path of Allah Ta'ala? He says, you'll go straight to Jannah. He says, really, he says, yeah. 
and he didn't even finish eating the bunch of dates that he was eating, he ran into battle and he was shaheed fi sabilillah. Ab, tell me, what, what type of balance was he making? There are so many, so many examples and instances of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum completely putting their akhirah over their dunya. Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he refused to take a pension from the state. Even though he was one of the veterans of the Battle of the Badr, the highest pay grade in the, in the, in the caliphate during the time of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, he refused to take a pension from the state because he said, I did everything for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, I don't want to receive any reward for it. And there wouldn't have been any, uh, 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 any aib or, 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 or stain on his honor had he taken it. The other Sahaba radiallahu anhu were taking it. They said, just sign your name in the diwan, in the exchequer. Don't take your pension, but after you die, at least your daughters can take the money and live off of it. So why should they take the money out and live off of it? I already taught them the Surah Al-Waqi'ah. Rasulullah said, whoever recites the Surah Al-Waqi'ah daily, Allah Ta'ala will protect them from poverty. So I already taught them the Surah Al-Waqi'ah. Why do I need to sign up a pension for them? That doesn't make sense. You say, no. Abdullah bin Mas'ud, you're being an extremist. Don't you know the Quran says, Wala tansa nasibaka min dunya But that's not the meaning of it. The meaning of la tansa nasibaka min dunya is take as much as you want or as little as you want. The only thing you're going to keep with you in your grave is what? The, 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 the shroud that you're, you're buried in. So uh, Sayyidina Musa is reminding his qawm, he says, seek that what Allah Ta'ala has prepared for you in the, in the abode of the hereafter. And don't forget what your portion of this world is, that nothing of it will come with you except for your shroud. Uh, and, and be good to others as they were good to you uh, uh, and do not uh, 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 make mischief in the land for verily Allah loves not mischief makers Qarun said I wasn't given this uh, uh, treasure except for due to the knowledge I have again it's a very shaitan like thing to say does he not know that Allah had created the, the generations who came before him who were more severe in their might and greater in their amassing of wealth and that those criminals were not even asked about their sins before being wiped out. So he went out in front of his people in all of his beauty. This is the thing, people, we see that. We see people who are wealthy, or we see people who have a very like show-offy mansab, and we're like, oh, this is, we're so impressed with that. We're so impressed with that. The person who's silently working with sincerity, we're like, oh, this person's miskeen, faqir person, you know? Uh, uh, who would want to be like that? But we get real impressed by, like, oh, look, mashallah, such and such people is... You know, he's a Hafiz and he drives a Mercedes Benz, right? You don't care about the hips, you just care about the Benz. <laughs> right? It's like, okay, that's 95% of, the, of it is that you're impressed with their wealth and like, oh yeah, he did hips too, that's pretty cool, mashallah. Right? So he said, he went out in front of his people in all of his beauty. Those who desired the life of this world marveled. Would that we had the likes of what Qarun was given. Indeed, he has been allotted a great portion. Those who were given true knowledge said to them, Woe unto you, the reward of Allah is better for he who believes and works righteousness. None shall receive it other than the patient. And then one day we caused the earth to swallow him up in his house with him. And so those people who yesterday were like, Oh, look how amazing this Qarun is. They said, they said what? They said like, uh, 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 Woe be unto you. Uh, 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 had it not been for the favor of Allah Ta'ala and the grace of Allah Ta'ala we would have also been swallowed up into the earth uh, 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 will be unto you Allah Ta'ala doesn't give success to the people of zulm to the people of transgression 
So don't don't mistake, you know, that 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 takabur and that 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 arrogance and that thinking of being your, that one is better than other people and that they deserve leadership. Uh, uh, don't think that just because someone has knowledge or whatever that they can sustain having that feeling as well, except for that feeling is not going to destroy all the good things that they have. Even they do, they do have good things. They, the, the, it comes in the Athar that uh, uh, Shaitan, there wasn't a, a, a hand's breadth worth of space in the heavens, except for he had made sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in it. His knowledge was such, his knowledge of Allah ta'ala was more perfect than yours and mine. But it didn't help him. This one fault inside of him consumed all of those other good things that he had and destroyed them. When Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu an al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqala la yadkhulu al-jannata man kana fi qalbihi mithqalu dharratin min kibrin faqala rajulun inna rajula yuhibbu an yakuna thawbuhu hasanan wa na'luhu hasanatan qala inna allaha jameelun yuhibbu al-jamal al-kibru batru al-haqqi wa ghamtu al-nasi rawahu muslim wa batru al-haqqi دَفْعُهُ وَرَدُّهُ عَلَىٰ قَائِلِهِ وَغَمْتُ النَّاسِ اِحْتِقَارُهُمْ So we have these four hadiths left and we're out of time. Uh, does anyone have an objection if we just finish these four hadiths and finish this bab inshallah before going? It's okay if you raise your hand, I'll just end the class. I'm not going to like browbeat you or harass you or accuse you of having a disease of the heart or anything. Inshallah. That... Sayyidina Abdullah bin Masood radiallahu anhu he narrates this is a hadith you should circle it this is like one of the qawaid of deen this is one of the foundations of, of, of deen this hadith is that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said no one will enter Jannah who has even a, a, a small grain worth of, uh, a, 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 of of weight a mustard seed worth of weight a, a, of arrogance inside of his heart it's really small a man said, Ya Rasulullah, uh, 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 what do you say about a man who loves to, that, what, loves to wear beautiful clothes and loves that his shoes be beautiful? Rasulullah Sallallahu said, Allah Ta'ala is beautiful and he loves beauty. There's nothing wrong with looking nice. That's not arrogance. Rather, arrogance is in two things. One is when the haqq is said to you that you, you try to refute it or you say, like, get lost, why are you telling me this? Someone tells you the truth and you're like, get lost. You don't want to hear it. Or you try to argue against it because it goes against what your ego wants. And the second thing is what? To belittle people, to think that you're, you're important and other people are not important. It doesn't matter street sweepers, cleaners, just look, look, to look at other people and think that they're like unimportant and you're important. This is even a, the smallest amount of it. It will enter into your heart. You won't enter Jannah. Of the ulama say that what? That such a person, imagine they say, La ilaha illallah, they're not going to go to hell forever. They'll go long enough for this for this trade to be burned out of them isn't it better that a person should cleanse themselves of it in this world so that they don't have to see the fire Allah Ta'ala be our protection this is a really serious thing this is something there's very little sensitivity or very high sensitivity and very little uh, 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 purview for getting away with things like these these things have to be purged from a person while they're alive in this world otherwise it's, it's going to be very painful in the hereafter and it's easy you person remind themselves or a person to remind themselves that they're no better than anyone else. Your body at any time could fail. You're going to rot. You're going to shrink. You're going to become putrid inside of your grave. Someone said, what about the awliya? I said, the awliya are the ones who thought about it more than you did to the point where they weren't arrogant over other people. 
They're the ones who thought about it more than anybody else. That's why Allah Ta'ala pre- preserved them. One Sayyidina Salamat ibn al-Akwa' Anna rajulan akala inda Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bishimalihi Faqala kul bi yaminik Qala la astati'u Qala la astata'ta Ma mana'ahu illa al-kibru Qala fama rafa'aha ila fihi Rawahu Muslim So this is a hadith narrated by Salamat ibn al-Akwa' The hero of the Ansar He was a great warrior in battle the stories of his exploits we don't have time to go over but they're pretty awesome you can read them at some other time that a man ate in front of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam with his left hand and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam told him eat with his eat with your right and he says i'm not able to but he didn't say that except for because he didn't want to listen to what the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was saying and he didn't take it seriously just out of arrogance he's like yeah i i, I can't use my right hand so the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said lastata when you use la with the form of the past tense, it means may, may it never happen. So, ma jalasa means he didn't sit. La jalasa means he'll never sit. Right? So, lastata, you'll never be able to. And after that, his right hand was crippled. He wasn't able to lift it, to his, lift it again after that day. Uh, why? Because he didn't say that to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, except for out of arrogance when Abi Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala ahtajjat al-jannatu wal-naru faqalat al-naru fiyya al-jabbaruna wal-mutakabbiruna waqalat al-jannatu fiyya du'afa'u al-nasi wa masakinuhum faqad Allahu baynahuma innaki al-jannatu rahmati arhamu biki manasha'u wa innaki al-naru عَذَابِ أُعَذِّبُ بِكِ مَنَشَاءُ وَلِكِلَيْكُمَا عَلَيَّ مِلْؤُهَا Ruahu Muslim Sayyidina Abu Sa'id al-Khudri narrates a very interesting hadith that the Jannah and Jahannam will get into an argument and Jahannam will say in me are the tyrants and all the big shots Meaning what? All the people in your years like the like little beggars and like the nobodies, and Jahannam will say all the big shots and the tyrants, they're powerful people. They're all they're all here, and so Allah Taala will settle their disputes. So Jannah will say, "With me is only who is only the the weak and the uh, the, the indigent." So Allah Taala will settle their settle their 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 argument, and He will say to Jannah, "Indeed, you are Jannah. You are my mercy." I have mercy upon whoever I will through you. And he says to the fire, you are my torment. And I torment through you whoever I will. And both of you can expect from me to be filled up by me. So the idea is what? Being a big shot, obviously there will be powerful people and important people in Jannah as well. Sulaiman salam, Dawud salam, they are kings. But generally the big shots will be where? In the smoking section. Right? So don't just look at being a big shot and think, oh, that's amazing. Because statistically, it's more precarious. And then the last hadith, وَعَنْهُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالَ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ ثَلَاثَةٌ لَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ وَلَا يَنْظُرُ إِلَيْهِمْ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Shaykhun Zan 
وملك كذاب وعائل مستكبر رواه مسلم والعائل الفقير سيدنا أبو سعيد الخضري رضي الله تعالى عنه also narrated that there are three that Allah Ta'ala will not speak to them on the Day of Judgment and He will not purify them uh, uh, or absolve them of their, the, the guilt of their sins and He will not uh, uh, look at them meaning what? Allah sees everything but He's not going to pay attention to any, any of the, their requests they're not going to be uh, entertained and they, will, they, they, they can expect a painful torment Shaykhun Zan an old man who commits zina why? it's bad enough when a young man commits zina person becomes an old man, his body has become weak. Uh, the act of rebellion against Allah Ta'ala, there's, it's a more pure act of rebellion against Allah Ta'ala because he's not uh, driven by, driven by his, his uh, physical impulses. Rather, this is just something he really wants to, wants to do that badly. The second is what? A king who lies. Why? Because generally, why do people lie? Because they're afraid of consequences. If you're the king, there are no consequences. In the old days, now we have like constitutional monarchies. These are just like a little doll playhouse version of monarchy. Actual monarchy is like absolute. You do what you want. There's no court that like, you know, if the judge tries to rule against you, cut his head off and fling it over the palace wall and, you know, the next judge probably won't say anything to you. Um, so if a person still lies, it's a very pure act of rebellion. And the third is what? Ailun Mustakbir, a broke person who is still arrogant. Now good news for all of us, we're all broke. I know you're really proud of your Honda Accord and Toyota Camry that you have. You're broke. You know, you're like, well, maybe one day I'll make a hundred thousand dollars a year. You're not even in like the like second highest tax bracket. You're not anywhere close. Real money, you think a million dollars is a lot of money, you're broke, right? Uh, actual wealth is something that you and I can't imagine. So we have really no reason to be arrogant because we're, mashallah, a hand's breadth away from poverty. Allah has given us a lot more than a lot of people what they have, but we're, we're not that rich, alhamdulillah, by Allah's fadl. So be thankful for what you have and don't let it get to your head. Why? Because a broke person who is arrogant is even more detestable in front of Allah Ta'ala than a person who their wealth is, and their power is a fitna for them and they became arrogant because of that. And this happens sometimes, some people, they just, they have nothing and they think they're everything. is completely a sign of the facade of the nafs. Allah Ta'ala gave you a, a be, more, better chance than anyone else that you can humble yourself in front of Him. If you didn't take it, that's a really bad thing. Allah Ta'ala protect all of us from, from that. Allah Ta'ala reward you for your patience and listening. Uh, um, again, I don't know if we'll be able to complete, although the first, the first three or four lessons are much longer than the last ones. So we may be able to, let's see, out of how many pages? So from 6 to 27 is 11 pages. So that's like five and a half pages a day. Uh, so yeah, we probably won't finish. But uh, um, we'll get about three quarters of the way through. And then MMZ all the way. You know me. Uh, inshallah. Barakallah. Are there any questions?